The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save. And save and win. Are you working? What kind of work do you do? This is the Punt and Pass Podcast. Touchdown, baby! Now, here are your hosts, two-time All-American punter Drew Butler. Mark Rick would like Drew Butler to hit it a mile in the air. And he did and the SEC's career leader in touchdown passes and completions, Aaron Murray. Touchdown! In stride as he crosses the goal line. Put it right on his hip. What a throw. Now with the latest from around the SEC and the world of college football, it's the Punt and Pass Podcast. Get to the house, sideline! Pylon! Touchdown! And the dogs are on the board first. Victory is mine. Yeah, surprisingly, I've been lame. Okay, welcome into another episode of Punt and Pass. This is the Punt and Pass Pandemic Podcast. That's right, I'm calling it the Quarantine Chronicles. I'm your host, of course, Drew Butler, joined by an extremely special guest on this episode of Punt and Pass, PGA Tour golfer and Georgia alum, Harris English, joins us. Be sure to follow the show on social media, at Punt and Pass on Twitter and Instagram. I am at Drew Butler on Twitter and Instagram, and Harris is at Harris English on Twitter and Instagram. Why Harris English? Well, of course, a lot of our listeners are huge golf fans, and with the quarantine um, self-stay-at-home lifestyle that we're dealing with right now, the PGA Tour has been put on hold through May 10th. That is crazy to think about the Masters has been postponed, the PGA Championship has been postponed. Usually, a stalwart in our lives from Thursday until Sunday, no golf. And our guest today is one who had been playing some of the best golf in America on tour over the past couple of weeks. So let's go ahead and welcome in our guest, that of course being Harris English. Harris has had a great start to the 2019-2020 season. He's currently ranked 24th in the FedEx Cup standings. He's played 11 events, five top 10s, three top fives, and probably on most everyone's mind right now, Harris, you shot a 65 during the first round of the Players' Championship last week. That's seven under. You had to have been feeling really good until the tour told y'all, no, we're just going to cancel this thing and dole out that prize money evenly among everyone. Thanks for joining us, my man. How are you? Drew, thanks for, thanks for having me, man. I've listened to you and Aaron's show for a long time now and um, kind of love what you're doing, the Quarantine Chronicles. I think that's pretty <laughs> fitting. And I mean, having, having eight eight or nine weeks off, I'm still not really sure when we're going back, but um, just hanging, hanging at home in St. Simons and um, trying to do some stuff around the house and uh, try not to get too bored down here. Yeah, well, you obviously had uh, a great start to the season, and you were really picking up steam as the Florida swing began. A lot of people were starting to notice you again on the Fantasy Golf Tour. I love Fantasy Golf as well. I, I just love golf. Harris, you've known me for a while. I watch it all day. Love all the intricacies of the game. I think kicking and punting and golfing are wildly similar, and I love following all the guys from Georgia, more specifically you, as we've been friends for quite some time. 
What was it like when you got that phone call or text message or whatever when they said, first off, we're going to proceed with the players with no fans, and then hours afterwards saying, guys, we're canceling the players, and they had canceled, I think, three weeks after that. You tour guys don't take off that much time. That's got to be crazy, especially when you were buckling up for the most busy part of the season. Yeah, it was uh, it was strange the first day of the players. I mean, it kind of had a, a a different vibe down there than I'm normally used to. This is my ninth year playing in the uh, in the players tournament down at TPC Sawgrass, and it didn't it didn't have quite the buzz that um, you usually have on a normal Thursday round out there. And I teed off the back nine um, on Thursday, and when we got got around to number eighteen, they had a big vi- video monitor there where uh, Jay Monahan, the commissioner, was putting out his press conference saying there were no fans on Friday. So that was the first time we kind of saw that. Um, so it was kind of weird. I was playing with Brandon Grace and, and Joel Damon um, that day and kind of the rest of the round we were talking about what was going to happen and how weird it was going to be playing 16, 17, 18 at Sawgrass with no fans because the fans are, are such a part of that tournament coming down the stretch. And it's just a really weird deal right now. Um, I went to bed probably at, 9:15 that night and uh <clears throat> with with no knowledge of what was going to happen um that night or, or friday and i uh, woke up my coach justin parsons called me probably 10 o'clock or 10:15, and and told me that they had canceled around so i was uh i was pretty shocked and pretty disappointed that i couldn't keep it going i felt like i was in a good spot i felt like my game was in a really good spot and um especially the the biggest purse i think 2.7 million million dollars goes to the winner Sawgrass. I was uh, I was excited to to give it a shot and um, pretty disappointing, but I understand what they got to keep everybody safe and the players safe, caddies, media, everyone involved in the tournament. But uh, hopefully we can get back out soon because I I like where my game's at and definitely heading in the right direction. Yeah, no doubt. And I want to talk to you more about your game and how you're going to stay tight and continue how well you've been playing. But going back to the players, does that tournament uh, in particular? have a different feel leading up to it? I mean, to put it in football perspective at the college level, SEC championship, different week, different vibe going into the game than if you're lucky enough to play in the playoffs. There's a lot of juice there. In the NFL, week 16, 17, if you're in the playoff hunt, wild card game, divisional game, championship game, like those are significantly different with your weekly preparation and then obviously game time. I mean, you just said it. $2.7 million to the winner of the Players' Championship, five-year tour exemption, three years in just about every major World Golf Championships. You know what you're getting into when you head to Sawgrass. Do you understand that before the week? Do you think about it often throughout your, your 18 holes on Thursday, Friday, Saturday? What's that like from the mental standpoint? Yeah, I mean that that's the tournament all year where we kind of have circled on the calendar that that's the one you want to you want to get your your peak at. That's the one you want to be playing your best golf um because it, it sets you up for your career. I mean, if you're a player's champion, I mean, it's not quite being a master champion, US Open champion, British Open champion, but I really think it rivals the PGA Championship, which I mean, in, in my eyes is is one of the lesser majors that we're worried about during the golf year but i mean with the pj tour putting that so much money into it and you have one of the best fields if not the best field in golf every single year and then probably on one of the most iconic finishing stretches in golf i mean it's 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 an unbelievable golf tournament it's one that i've wanted to win for a long time 
and uh, not too far from St. Simons. I mean, everybody knows what the 17th green looks like, and everybody's tuned into it on Saturday and Sunday, seeing where everybody's hitting it. So, um, like I said, I was I was pumped at where my game was, and I, I felt like I had a, a really good shot at, at winning it. And uh, it's just tough. It's a tough situation, but hopefully I uh, can get back at it next year, and I'd, I'd love to take that 65 with me next year and, and uh, keep it rolling. No doubt. And from a mental standpoint, I totally understand what you're talking about, how you circle that one on the calendar, especially from being down there in that area. It is a legitimate big-time tournament. You think about guys who have won it in the past, Ricky Fowler, Rory McIlroy. I mean, I know Rory's won some majors as well. But it is a certain feather-in-the-cap tournament. Us regular hackers, I mean, we're happy when we shoot a good round. And after 18 holes, you take a deep breath and go, man, I can't believe I just played one of my best rounds ever. It is completely different doing that for four days in a row and keeping up that consistency, especially when you have other top golfers breathing down your neck. So so how do you go about building on a 65? Do you think about Friday as, hey, I'm just going to go out there and fire at the middle of the green, make some two putts, see where the birdies fall? Or do you keep your pedal to the metal and say, I've got to keep going in order to kind of stay atop the leaderboard before the weekend comes around? Because I can't imagine having to do that four days in a row. It's just, it's unbelievable what y'all are able to accomplish. Yeah, it's definitely a a different mindset. I mean, in in golf, I feel like you got to put the pedal pedal on the ground all the time because you you never know who's going to be chasing you. I mean, you look at Tiger Woods. I mean, he he seems to never never waver, never take his foot off the gas. Rory McIlroy is the same. Brooks Kepka. I mean, I feel like those are the guys I'm competing against right now and I have to keep up with. And I feel like if, especially in golf, if you start relaxing, if you don't focus as well, if you start playing safe, it'll come back to bite you because um, there's definitely times in the year where your game kind of goes through peaks and valleys. And I, I feel like every year there there's a four or five, six week stretch where I'm playing really good golf. And then there's another four or five, six week stretch where I'm barely making cuts, finishing 40th, finishing 30th. And, uh, for those good weeks that your game's on point, you gotta, you gotta get it. Um, I heard Steve Stricker say that, I mean, he, he made probably 75% of his money um, and 25% of the tournaments he played in. I mean, the, yeah. the tournaments that he was playing well, he turned that into a top five, a top three, few wins. Um, the biggest difference for me this year is, when I was playing well, I turned those in the top 10, top fives. And years past, over the past three years, I'd have good tournaments and finish 25th or 28th or 30th. And those those really hurt you because you're not getting enough FedEx Cup points uh, and really moving up the rankings. But um, golf is, so, I mean, it's four days of, of being consistent. And it's you're not going to have your A game every single day. I feel like this past Thursday – my game was pretty much on point and I was firing on all cylinders. Um, but throughout the week of, of, of a four day stretch, I mean, I'll probably have my B game a day or two, but those are the days where I got to turn that round into a two under a three under. I can't afford to shoot one or two over on those days. You gotta, you gotta play with what you have and, and make the most of it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's what y'all do best. I mean, when I was in the NFL, coaches would always say, I would much rather you be at your B platform every single day rather than a plus than d then b plus then c minus 
Give me something every single day that we can count on and be dependable on. And like you said, if you're able to do that, stay away from those plus numbers and then hang around minus one, minus two, 70, 68 to keep yourself in contention. That obviously translates into a ton of FedEx Cup points, and you're doing an awesome job with that, ranked 24th right now, and obviously going to keep a pedal down to the metal when everything picks back up. So let's talk about that. I mean, no PGA Tour golf through May 10th. No big deal. That's my birthday. My 31st birthday is May 10th. So I got to <laughs> deal with the entire spring with no golf on TV. It's just absolutely brutal. Have you thought about what you're going to be up to during that time? You're on St. Simons. You've got the beach right there. Obviously, world-class golf facilities. How are you going to stay sharp? How are you going to kill time? Yeah, that's that's a good question. I'm I'm uh, kind of having a, a meeting with my coach and trainer this afternoon, just to get a plan together of, of what to do for the next eight or nine weeks. I mean, I've never had this much time off in my golf career. I mean, especially since I've turned pro. I mean, I'll, I'll take a week or two here and there throughout the season, but um, this is definitely the longest break I've ever had. So it, it's a finding a happy medium of, of getting some off time, hanging out with my family and, and our little dog, um, going to the beach, having a good time, um, enjoying the great weather down here in St. Thomas and, and also working on some stuff to get ready for this fall because I know it's going to be a jam-packed schedule when we do come back to play. Um, the, the fields are probably going to be a lot better on some of these tournaments that otherwise wouldn't get a very good field. I think it's just you're going to see a lot of – a golf of golf crammed together in two or three months span getting ready for the playoffs. Um, so I'm, I'm going to try to be ready and, and hit the ground running when I do come back because I've, I've had um, one of the best seasons of my career this far. I mean, five, five top 10 so far. And uh, I want to make that tour championship um, in Atlanta later this fall. And um, that just sets you, sets yourself up for getting in majors world golf championships and, I want to get back in that in that realm, um, get back up in the world golf ranking and, and start playing the golf and competing like I know I can. Yeah, no question. And, and you're well on your way. And with the revised schedule, if it happens, it seems like the Masters might be in the fall. Now, I have my thoughts on it. Um, unfortunately, I don't think it's going to happen. There's just so much going on, Harris. And, you know, we mentioned no golf on. No sports are on. And, and that hit me right in the gut this past Saturday. I mean, we were supposed to be knee-deep in college basketball tourney championships. I'm supposed to be flipping to NBC, checking out the leaders coming down the stretch, 16, 17, 18 at Sawgrass, and we just had nothing. And now the Masters says that they're going to postpone. People are kind of spreading rumors. When could that be? October, November. What are your thoughts on when or if it will happen? Keep in mind, Ryder Cup, Tour Championship, Olympics, FedEx Cup playoffs, so much going on. God, I hope it can happen. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah, there's really only a one or two week period where they could actually put the Masters because they don't want to cancel another tournament to bring in the Masters. I mean, I'm sure the folks in Augusta don't want to do that. Um, it's tough. I mean, Augusta National overseeds every year with ryegrass, and um, during the summer that Bermuda comes back up. So obviously they're not going to have it when it's really hot out in July, August, even September. So uh, it's going to be tough. I mean, I obviously would love 
for them to have the Masters because that's really going to hit us um, come first weekend in April. Oh, when my God. to be depression. There's no, there's no, people aren't watching Amen Corner, not watching Tiger play Saturday and Sunday coming down the stretch. I mean, it's going to it's gonna all hit us then. I mean, it, it's tough. I, I don't know what they're going to do. I know Jay Monahan's working around the clock, probably not getting any, any sleep right now. Um, trying to fit all these tournaments in. I mean, it's it's something we've never dealt with before, and I don't know. Moving the PGA Championship back, yeah, um, they're still thinking about having it at Harding Park, but not really sure when when they're going to have have that tournament. I mean, it's some of the biggest tournaments in golf. You don't know when they're going to be, and and a golf season without the Masters is uh, is hard to fathom. There's no question. Have you guys gotten any communication from the tour or from Augusta National in regards to, I know that week in October has been floated around, October 11th through the 19th. Have you guys had any communication, or do you just know exactly what we know by following on social media? Yeah, I'm not on the uh, the policy board, so I don't, I don't really know the ins and outs. I mean, I guess I could text some of those guys, um, but – it's pretty much what the PJ tour has come out and stated is, yeah. is what exactly think it's still in flux and they don't know exactly. They're just kind of waiting, waiting and seeing. Um, so my, my hope is these next couple of weeks, um, everything will start dying down. Um, I know that's pretty, pretty high hopes right now, but I'm, I'm hoping everything <laughs> kind of comes back to normal and we can, we can start, getting rolling again yeah all of us you know who i should ask about this i should ask todd martin the president of peter millar golf think about how much apparel they made for augusta national and the masters they're sitting on a ton of inventory i bet your listeners would love to know what their plans are with that inventory if they do not have the masters this year i should check with team art i know i i mean thousands of shirts um tens of thousands of shirts oh my god Uh, i'm sure I mean, I, I can't imagine. I haven't even talked to them about – I mean, it, it affects everybody. I mean, from the players to the caddies to the media to the vendors to – I didn't even think about folks like Peter Millar who, who makes the Masters logo on the shirt. I mean, it's it's incredible how much – how wide a net this, this touches um, throughout, throughout the whole sporting world. I and mean, then it, it's incredible. It really is incredible. I mean, we could literally talk about so much stuff, but I have some questions here from some listeners that wanted to know a couple of things about life on tour, you in particular. And let's just start with this. Who is your best friend on tour, not from Georgia, and who doesn't live on Sea Island? So we're going to take those two away from you. Who are you closest with on tour? Not a Georgia alumni, not living down on Sea Island. Okay. Um, I mean, there's, there's so many guys on tour I enjoy playing with and are friends with off the golf course. Um, I mean, I would, I would probably have to go with Johnson Wagner. Okay. Um, I teamed up with him last year, last year, at the Zurich classic. I mean, he's, he's such a happy go lucky fun guy. I mean, we go to some concerts together, hang out off, off the golf course a lot. Um, he lives up in Charlotte, went to Virginia tech, just a, a really, great guy um doesn't take himself too seriously um he's a guy who i'm paired with that even if i'm having a bad round i'm not gonna have a good time hanging out with johnson um so yeah i mean he he'd be my go-to round for for having a good time that's awesome are y'all planning on doing the zurich classic again this year if in fact they do play it 
Well, I think they just canceled it, but I was oh, not they did cancel planning it. on seeing it. Yeah, they, they canceled it through the Byron Nelson, which I gotcha. think Zurich was right before Byron. Um, I got you. Yeah, which sucks. That's no fun. Um, what is your favorite course not on tour? So favorite course that you that you play year-round that, that does not host a tour event? I mean, there's so many good courses down in Seattle. Like Ocean Forest is one of my favorites that I never get tired of. But um, I had Forest a week off. Awesome. Um, I, did, I didn't play uh, Pebble Beach last year or this year. Um, so Helen Marie and I spent some time out in Santa Barbara, which I'd never been to before. And I got to play the Valley Club out there, um, which is the Alistair McKenzie course, who's one of my favorite course designers. And it was incredible. I, I loved it. Um, I love playing old school courses like that. I love like Seth Rayner, McKenzie, um, all those old school course architects. Um, so, yeah, I would say that's, that has probably moved into my top 10 or 15 that I've ever played. Have you played Chicago Golf Club? I haven't. I haven't. I, that's, uh... that's on my list. I got to play there this summer, and it was phenomenal. I mean, I love old courses too, but it's just pristine. I got to play it right before the club championship, so the greens were just a total joke. Um, and then we played Butler National the next day, so it was a pretty sweet back-to-back for my dad and I. But Chicago Golf Club, if you love old-school golf courses, you've got to get up there, Harris. It is it is absolutely fantastic. What's your favorite tournament that you look forward to every year? We got to take the majors away from you. Those are a bit too obvious. Favorite tournament that you play in every year? Maybe your favorite city to visit also. You're looking forward to visiting a restaurant or whatnot. Okay. Um, I would say my favorite city would probably be Los Angeles. Um, I haven't, Riviera is an awesome golf course. I haven't really played well there over the years. I, I love playing it. I love LA, Hollywood. Beverly Hills. I mean, have so much good food and nightlife and all that. Um, I would say my favorite tournament is probably um, Colonial in Fort Worth. Um, old school golf course. I love. My brother lives in Dallas. Um, I, lo- I just love Fort Worth. I mean, old school tournament. They've had it for sixty plus years. You get get a lot of people out there. It's just got a great feel to it. Um, I love spending time in Dallas and Fort Worth, and we have a lot of friends there. So just it almost feels like a, a second home to us. Yeah, you you have played well there too. Also, I remember your second place finish. Spieth went on a crazy tear back nine. I think that was 2015. I want to say Harris, maybe 2016. Um, crazy good golf by you that week. If if you could hand pick, I don't know, say four tournaments a year again, taking away the majors. I think you might throw Phoenix in there, the waste management. You've always played good in Phoenix, and I'll have to humble brag here. I used to be able to caddy for you during the Wednesday Pro-Am when I lived out there and played for the Cardinals. Those were such fun times. That week is just unlike anything else. Absolutely crazy how many fans attend that tournament, and you've done really well there in the past. Give me three or four tournaments. I think you'd pick Colonial. I think you'd pick Waste Management. Name three more that you love to play in every year if you could really kind of make your hay uh, each season. Yeah, I mean, like you said, uh, that waste management tournament is is incredible. I think it's great for golf. I love just the vibe of that tournament. Everybody, so many people coming out. um, It just feels feels like a major. It feels like a big tournament, and I really like the golf course. I played well there. Um, 
But I would say Hilton Head is a is a, a great, great event as yeah. well. Um, I don't know. I love I love playing on Bermuda Greens. Growing up in the South, um, I feel like I can read Bermuda Greens really well and feel very comfortable on them. Um, so I, 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 that's why I enjoy playing the Florida courses a lot. Um, Hilton Head, um, Wiley Wiley Country Club yeah. out in, in Honolulu. I've, I've played really well at. Had a lot of success there. Um, didn't get in the tournament this year. I was pretty bummed about that, but, um, it's really kind of the, the short tree lined dog leg golf courses. I, I don't know why I tend to gravitate towards those because I feel like I'm a decently long hitter. So you would think big bomber golf courses would suit me well, but I, I tend to, to do better on the shot shaping golf courses like like I grew up at Sunset Country Club in Moultrie, and every hole is a dog leg. You got to shape, shape shots, curve your eight iron. Um, so that those are the those are the courses I enjoy playing because I, I don't feel like you have to be absolutely perfect, and every hole calls for a different shot. Yeah, I mean, I followed you for a long time, and it seems like you perform best at the tournaments where you absolutely have to grind. I mean, you look at what happened with the Honda Classic in Bay Hill this year where it was just carnage on the weekends. You did really well in both those tournaments. Then you see some tournaments, whether it's, uh, I don't know where, where 21, 24 under over four days is going to win. I mean, that's just a completely different style of golf. Would you agree with that? I mean, it seems like your game is very well suited for a four-day bloodbath, and I just think that's a huge compliment. Yeah, 100%. I don't know why that is, I like it when it's when it's really difficult out. I like putting the mouthpiece in and, and knowing it's going to be tough and you're going to make some bogeys. But I like par being a good score. I love I love the U.S. Open. I love the British Open where you're not going out and, and trying to birdie every single hole. Um, but but you're right. I mean, I love the Palm Springs tournament, but I feel like when I get on the course, I feel like I'm I'm trying to birdie every hole and I yeah. get a little frustrated. If you go on a run of not making a birdie in four or five holes, you feel like you're getting lapped. And I, I don't really like that feeling. And, I mean, like you said, I, I enjoy the grind. And shooting one or two under is a really good score. And I feel like I I do well at, at those tournaments. What's the biggest misconception that the public or the fans have about life on the PGA Tour? <laughs> They uh they definitely think it's all glitz and glamour and they don't really they don't really see us a getting from tournament to tournament if you have three or four weeks in a row they don't really see what you do from Sunday from finishing the round on Sunday to flying to the next place moving hotel rooms what you do on Monday Tuesday Wednesday the preparation that goes into the next week they just flip on Sunday evening and and watch the tournament end and then flip it on thursday and and see you back playing again they don't they don't really see i'm not not how tough it is but um it's not all glitz and glamour i mean it's it's uh long hours in the airport missing flights um changing hotels every week um it's uh i mean yeah we we get we get paid a lot we we play for a lot of money. The purses are awesome. Um, I wouldn't change it for the world. It's just not as uh, 
not as glamorous as it looks on TV. Yeah, it's not like an NBA team which has a private chartered 757 with 40 first-class seats on it. They land, they get bussed straight to the Ritz-Carlton, they get per diems. It's not like that. I mean, you guys have to fly yourselves. You guys are flying your caddies. A lot of you guys travel with your wives. You're lugging your travel bags. You're getting into the hotels. You're having to play golf, go back to the hotels, and then Sunday pack up and go to the next spot. I mean, it's just totally different. And, yeah, we see on Sunday afternoons or on Saturday afternoons you guys shooting 65s and fighting for huge purses. But it is a real-life grind on top of what you have to do on the course. I have a ton of respect for you guys. I think I have a pretty good idea of what you have to go through uh, just based off of what I've witnessed. So that's why I think I respect golfers so much, and it's it's just really fascinating to see and hear some of the stories that go on. So just wild, just, just absolutely wild. But like yeah. you said, you got nine weeks to kind of reset and hang out and enjoy the beach and, and figure out – what to do as you try to stay sharp. I know a lot of our listeners will be trying to stay sharp with their golf games as well. Some courses are shut down. Others are not. I'm reading articles that said the World Health Organization says, go play golf. Just don't take out the pin. Don't rake the bunkers and don't shake cans. Just stay six feet away from each other. What would you say to just the average golfer? I'm sure you get asked this a lot to best improve their game. A hundred percent work on short game and putting. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, we play in a lot of pro ends throughout the year, and I feel like everybody concentrates on the long end. They want to hit it the furthest. Yeah. They want to... Yeah, it's just nuts. And that, we, uh, I was talking with Clint Bowling yesterday, and uh, you know Clint. Clint's obviously retired now, Harris. He's playing golf a ton. He hits the ball a long way. His ball striking's got significantly better, and he has yet to break 80. And it's not easy to break 80 at Atlanta Athletic Club, but I just tell Clint, I say, Clint, will you do me a huge favor? Three times this week, just go to the range, and for 45 minutes, chip or hit pitch shots from 100 yards and in, and putt. Do that three times for 45 minutes. He just doesn't listen to me. I think that helped him out a lot. But like you said, when I was at Georgia, and oftentimes I'd get to go out to the golf course and see you guys practicing, rarely did I ever see y'all grinding with your drivers, four irons, five irons, six irons. You guys were always chipping. You guys were always putting. You were working around the greens, and then you'd go play. I mean, that's just what I learned from being around you guys. That is where you guys make your money. That's what really separates the good from the great. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Hacker Hacker at Georgia did us a great favor, and, and he would set up what we called the gauntlet um, either once or twice a week where he would make nine different holes on our chipping green, um, nine different pins, different shots, flop shot, bump and run, bunker shot in the rough, and we had to take one ball, and you had to first ball chip it, put it in, and if we shot two over or worse on nine holes every – Every par was two. Um, if we shot two over or worse, we had to go do a putting drill and then come back and, and do the gauntlet again. We couldn't we couldn't leave the golf course until we completed the gauntlet. And it, and it makes you get the ball in the hole. Of, I mean, there's a lot of days where I'm, I'm not hitting it that great, but that's how you turn a score of 74 or 75 into a score of 70 or 71. And that's, that's what separates um, the good players from the great players is, when you're not having your best day, because we all miss shots. I'm, I'm not going to go ground on my forearm on the range because I might have two, two shots with my forearm 
and I hit a good one that's going to go to 20 feet. If I hit a bad one, it's going to go to 45 feet. Um, where I can make my hay, where I can make my most money is chipping and putting, like you said, inside 100 yards, getting it up and down. Um, I, I don't I don't see that enough from from amateurs when they practice. They're they're on the range, trying to see how far they can hit it, how high they can hit it. Um, there's a lot more to the game than than just how far how far you can hit it. No doubt. Absolutely no doubt. And before we talk about Georgia football, that's where we'll wrap things up. I want to ask you, what are your thoughts on golf media right now? Because I think it's in a really unique space. The PGA Tour does a really good job on social media, getting quick videos out, top plays. There's a bunch of new podcasts popping up. Shane Bacon and Max Homa have one. Um, I like to listen to Gravy and the Sleaze on PJ Tour Radio. I was a guest with those guys a couple of weeks ago. Colt Nost and Drew Stoltz, two Whisperot guys that I got to know through your boy Drew Kittleson when I lived in Arizona. And then on top of that question, I want to, I want you to know about golf media fantasy golf i mean fantasy football players have to put up with it a bunch guys chirping on social media how much of a part of the culture it is around football is it getting to that point around golf as well because i know daily fantasy is absolutely huge in the game of golf so tell me about your thoughts on golf media if you like where it's going and and how much you hear about fantasy golf from a week-to-week basis (laughs) i I do like where where golf media is going i I feel like it reaches out to a lot more people that don't play a whole lot of golf or don't know a whole lot about golf. I think the more people they can reach out to, to get them into the golf and, and show them or how interesting and fun this game can be, um, the better it is. Um, even but, but even uh, golf, even guys like No Laying Up or The Buck Club with Zach Blair, I mean, I just think that's really cool, unique sort of activations for people to get involved with the game. Sorry to interrupt you. No, I, I I agree with you. Um, I, I like it a lot. It gives gives people a different perspective um, on golfers or golf courses. I mean, I think it's the best game in the world, and apparently a lot of people think think along the same lines I do as I do. So I'm I'm pumped about where it's going and all these new podcasts popping up. And I mean, even even people like you. I mean, you got a predominantly football show, but but having a golfer. On there, I think a, a lot of people can relate to because uh, a lot more people are getting into golf and, and, and enjoying it. Um, but I personally love playing fantasy football and have, have played it for a long time and, and follow NFL and college football religiously. But um, I, I like I like having fantasy golf. Um, we, we definitely get <laughs> chirped at a lot more on the course of, Hey, I got you on my fantasy team. You got to play good or hit this thing close. I got you on my fantasy team this week. Um, so it's it's kind of it's fun for us. I mean, to to be relevant, more relevant in the sports world. And as if we can get closer and closer to to the NFL or some of the NBA, um, baseball, all the fantasy sports, um, the better off golf's going to be. And and the more eyes and people talking about golf, the the better it is for us. No doubt. I think golf's in a really great spot. It's super shitty, the, the the shutdown that's going on right now. Obviously, it's a world health crisis, and I totally understand that. But I just love the game of golf. I kind of echo your sentiments on how it's the greatest game, and uh, it brings a lot of people a lot of pleasure. So with that being said, let's let's turn our attention to Georgia football as we wrap this thing up. Unfortunately, spring practice has been canceled. The SEC is going to announce later today, if they haven't already, 
that everything is shut down through the spring. So no spring football practice, no spring football games. And Georgia was in a super unique position because one new offensive coordinator, really a whole new offensive staff with Todd Munkin coming in from the Cleveland Browns, new special teams coordinator, Scott Cochran, who was a strength and conditioning coordinator coming from Alabama, which makes me scratch my head a little bit. Uh, We could talk about that. But I think most importantly, from an on-the-field perspective, new quarterback, Jamie Newman, coming in as a transfer from Wake Forest. Those are 15 practices and a ton of reps that he and the offense are not going to get. And uh, Harris, I know we are tortured, yearly tortured Georgia fans. It's a huge season for Georgia, and I think Kirby understands that, especially when the third game of the year is in Tuscaloosa against Alabama. Georgia has all the talent in the world, and again, it seems like it's national championship or SEC championship or bust this year for the Dogs. Yeah, it's very unfortunate that um, everything's been called off because, like you said, we're in sort of a unique position where we had a lot of these changes, and I was very excited to see what we were going to unveil with with the new offensive coordinator, um, Jamie Newman, coming in to see how he looks. But I guess if everybody's in the same boat of, of not having those reps, then uh, everybody's on a level playing field. Um, so we'll just have to see, I guess, when uh, when fall opens up. I don't know if they'll broadcast any practices or I'll be following rivals and, and some of the, the Georgia sports talk guys to kind of see what's going on. But it's tough. I always tape, tape the uh, spring game and, and watch it and kind of dissect it and, and – see what I like or don't like um but but it's gonna be it's gonna be weird I mean especially opening up third game against Alabama will probably be two top 10 programs if not higher than that um I'm planning on going to the game trying to get some tickets and um accommodations worked out right now um but I'm I'm excited I think our defense is going to be the best in the nation um, I love where they're at. I think we've reloaded. Um, I like guys like Richard LeCount sticking around for another year because uh, I think he can he can really be part of something special. And if we can just put some more points on the board uh, this year, um, we're going to be tough to handle. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I, I think the defense will be, if not the one of the best in the nation. They've proven it time and time again. I'm really happy Dan Landing stuck around. Obviously, Kirby has a huge factor on the defense as well, but they have so much talent, especially now, I think, on the defensive line with some pass rushers as well. Georgia should be in a good spot. Were you were you surprised by Jake Fromm leaving early, um, and then were you pleased with the quick reaction by the coaching staff to get Jamie Newman in as a quick grad transfer? I was very surprised Jake Fromm went pro. Um, I don't really grind on the tape as much as a lot of guys do about if it was really his fault where he didn't play very good this year, if he downgraded a little bit this year, or was it the receivers weren't very good, they weren't running the right routes. I can't really dissect the film to, to know which routes they're actually trying to run and if Jake threw the ball in the right spots and they weren't there or they didn't catch it. Um, but I'm, I'm happy for him. I think he's a, I've never met him, but he seems like a, a great kid, um, has great work ethic. And I think he's going to be a, a steal for any NFL team that drafts him in the second or third round. I don't know when he's going to go, but I think they're going to get a, a great kid and I hope the best one. Um, but I, I really thought he was going to stick around once Tua decided he was going to turn pro. I thought that was a chance for, for Jake to come back and, 
and go out on top. Um, I was hoping he was going to get a national championship. I felt like he deserved a national championship. Um, but I'm, I'm pumped to see what he, what he has for him in the future. Yeah. Um, but I was really happy to happy for Georgia. I'm, I'm sure they, they kind of had a sense that he might be leaving and, and uh, pounced on Jamie Newman pretty quickly. And uh, I think we got a – it couldn't have been a better situation for us. Um, let Carson back come in, have a year, um, have some of our younger guys develop. Uh, I still want to see that Dewan Mathis. I wanna, hopefully he can get medically cleared. I want to see what he's got. Um, so I feel like Jamie can come in, have this one year, and, and hopefully take us to a national championship and we can let some of those younger guys develop and build and um, – will be set for the next few years yeah no question I mean you hit the nail on the head and do not get confused I've said it once I'll say it again I'll continue to say it until the first week of the season it is all up to the offensive coaching staff now I mean Kirby did a complete 180 James Coley is no longer there they're switching out the entire style of the offense Todd Munkin comes in you know what he likes to do will he do it does he have the talent to implement the style of offense that he wants to bring to Georgia football. It seems like he does. I mean, you look at the roster, look at their recruiting rankings, however you want to break it down. More more so, though, look at the experience that Georgia has. Even though Jamie Newman hasn't played in the SEC, tons of experience in the ACC, can the coaching staff find the potential and realize the potential of the talent on the offensive side of the ball? They better, and if they do... Georgia is going to be in a fine spot. The biggest question mark, though, is going to be special teams. I mean, I know I'm saying that. I'm a former punter. I know this is called punt and pass. Rodrigo is gone. Your long snapper is gone. Your special teams coordinator is gone, and you just hired a strength and conditioning coach to run your kicking units. Again, I'm scratching my head here, Harris. What was your initial thought when they announced Scott Cochran was coming over from Alabama to lead the special teams for Georgia? Yeah, it was uh, it was a uh, head scratcher for sure. Um, I know we've been trying to get him for a while, like four years ago. Um, tried to hire him away. Um, I know him and Kirby are really good friends, and I mean, obviously he's a hell of a coach and one that Nick Saban held on to for a long time, probably longer than any assistant that's ever worked for him. So obviously he thought really highly of Scott Cochran, and I mean he's learned from the best. I mean, I, I think he'll he'll take. He's obviously been around every practice and, and knows Nick Saban like the back of his hand. So he'll, he'll has probably learned what a good special team looks like from Alabama because they always seem to not make many mistakes and, and usually have some of the best punt returners or punters, not necessarily kickers in the country. But um, I think he'll I think he'll be great. I think it's a huge step up for him. I think he's going to be great for the program. Um, I'm excited about it. Um, Hopefully uh, one of our kickers, I don't know if it's going to be the, the freshman coming in um, that's going to take over the kicking duties. You probably know a lot more about that than, than I do, but um, I think, I think we'll be, I think we'll be fine. It's, it's hard to move on from a guy like Rodrigo. I mean, he's been unbelievable, probably one of the best kickers of all time at Georgia. Um, we've had some really, really good ones and we've been lucky in having a lot of good kickers, but uh, I, I think we'll be in good shape. I think so, too. It'll be interesting, and I know that Cochran will delegate a lot of the actual coaching of the units because Georgia has a ton of experience, most notably Todd Hartley, the tight ends coach, 
who was the special teams coordinator at Miami a couple of years ago. And also he was a student assistant when you and I were in school, Harris. Todd used to fetch footballs for me and clock punts. He's a great dude, and I'm really happy for all his success and the family that he has started in Athens. Last questions for you, really, before we wrap this thing up. You obviously know a ton about football. You're a very big Georgia fan. One, are you active on the message boards for Georgia football? And don't bullshit me. Tell me the truth. <laughs> and two, do you and some other tour players um, exchange cash on games? Do you guys like to get a little action during football season? So I, I did get a rival account last year, but I have not been on the, the message board. Okay. Um, Harmon, Harmon and I – usually go back and forth about what's what's happening usually during signing day or recruiting season on uh who's going to go where um i just like reading it it's it's pretty funny how how some of these people flip out or they get all bent out of shape on on guys going different different ways from georgia but uh i enjoy it i mean I, i love recruiting i keep up with it a lot um i mean during during football season it's it's pretty hard for me to concentrate on golf on the golf course but uh yeah we we definitely get some uh friendly wagers i mean one of my best friends pat and is an auburn fan so we we always have some uh wagers on the game i mean there's just so many so many good sec guys on tour which we have some good friendly banner with some of the florida guys matt every billy horshaw always loves to run his mouth about the gators but um <laughs> Well, those think, hey, those uh, are pretty profitable friendships. I'd keep those guys around for the next couple of years. <laughs> yeah, we we've got Florida's number right now. I, I like uh, I like where we're going. I hope we beat them down for years to come. And some of the Alabama guys, I think we're uh, they've had a good run. I feel like we're we're on the up and up, and I think we're we're going to take them over. And then hopefully, if we can have a run like Alabama has had the last ten or ten years. Um, I'll be really happy. I just want, I just want that one national championship for George, and then I'll then I'll be happy. No doubt, absolutely no doubt, and huge congrats to Patton and his wife. They just welcomed in a baby boy a couple of weeks they ago, do. so that is awesome. Despite all the craziness going on, well, Harris, man, I can't thank you enough. This ran a little bit longer than I expected, but I could probably go on for an hour more. I won't take up that much of your time, although I do know that now you have a bunch of time on your hands. So hopefully we can get together. Maybe if the, the quarantine gets lifted, we can link up and play a little bit of golf before you guys hit the road once again. But we really appreciate it. I know our listeners are very appreciative of everything that you had to say. Be sure to follow Harris on Twitter and Instagram at Harris English. Follow the show at Punt and Pass and follow me at Drew Butler. Harris, anything on the way out, my man? Man, appreciate you having me, Drew. Um... I'll, I'll probably be listening in over the next nine weeks or so. I don't have a whole lot going on, so I'll be uh, listening to what you have to say, and, and uh, I'm sure you'll have some great guys coming on, on board. Um, keep up the good work, and uh, hopefully we can get together. If not, down in St. Simons up in Chattanooga, we'll go play the Honors, or have to stop through Atlanta, and we'll go play the Athletic Club. Sounds good, brother. That's a plan. Appreciate you jumping on the Pandemic Podcast, another episode of the Quarantine Chronicles. Tune back in tomorrow for the final episode of the week, and thanks for listening. See you.